Well, y'all, we've been in a series the past two weeks all about purpose. And we've been answering that question that like most people have, probably every person has in the world, like, does my life matter? Like, can my life make a difference? And the simple answer is yes. You're here on purpose and you have a purpose. You see, God didn't make you and then like wonder what to do with you. He had a plan before you were even born. And regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you're just getting started or you've been going to church for years, here's the truth. God has more for your life. Like, you have not experienced all that God has for you. And that's why we named our church No Limits, because there really is no limit to what God can do through your life. In other words, God wants to blow your mind. Even your best daydream doesn't come close to what God wants to do in your life. And all these things God wants to do through you, they're not just for God's benefit. They're for yours as well. Because you see, Here's our core scripture up here, Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power working with us, working within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You see, God wants your life to be amazing. And if you're listening to me right now and you're just kind of like, what? Like, this is not the church that I grew up knowing. Like, most people view church as a place that you go to get a spanking. Like, if you want to know what's wrong with your life, then just go to church, right? And be sure to wear an extra pair of underwear so it doesn't hurt so bad. I don't know if anybody did that as a kid. If this is your idea, <laughs> if this is your idea of church, let me just apologize on behalf of the church because there's a lot of church leaders out there. They're doing the best they can. They just have, they just give people the wrong idea of who God really is. The position they kind of position God as like this supreme power that cares about how you cut your hair and if you have tattoos and and the list goes on. But trust me on this: the Christians that paint this picture of God, they actually have good intentions. They really do. They just don't yet fully know God. They have an idea of who God is based on maybe what somebody else has told them. They just don't have like a close relationship with God yet. You see, there's actually three steps in everyone's spiritual journey, and these are going to look familiar to you guys who have been here the past two weeks. And everyone in this room is going to find yourself somewhere in these three steps, whether you're just getting started or you've been in church for years. And the first one is you got to know God. And I'm not talking about knowing him mentally by like memorizing scripture or anything like that. I'm talking about knowing God personally and relationally. He's not like some far off disconnected power in heaven. He's actually the perfect father that wants to make his home with you and in you. He wants a close relationship with you. He desires that. And when you open yourself to that relationship, his presence and his power become evident in your life. Like he becomes real to you, which leads you into the next step, which is when you find freedom. And only once you know God can you really find freedom. This is when you shave off those things that are kind of keeping you from living your best life. We all have them, and I bet you don't even have to think that hard to figure out what they are. I could probably hand you all a piece of paper, actually, and a pencil, and you maybe could make me a list of those things in your life. And you wonder if you'll ever get over it. Like, if you're ever going to get over that addiction, that sin, that thing that you keep doing that you hate, yet somehow you just keep doing it. Well, the truth is God wants you to live in freedom, and he's given you the power to do that. And one of the best ways to discover this freedom is actually in a group setting, which here at No Limits we call small groups, because the relationships that you build in small groups will actually help you overcome the things that maybe you've been struggling with for a long time. You may just need the support system to come alongside you and walk you through those things. You need somebody on your team. And then step three is when you discover your purpose, because here's the deal. God's put a spiritual gift, a plan, a purpose, on your life, not just my life, but your life. And every one of you has, has an, a specific assignment, like your life matters in a big way. And as it turns out, like finding your purpose isn't as hard as you think. It's not like some equation that you're never going to solve. 
It's not some treasure hunt that you have to go on to find. We actually all have the same purpose. We just carry it out a little bit differently. Because you see, the ultimate purpose for your life is to make a difference. And actually, none of us will ever be fulfilled until we're living our lives in a way that makes a difference. Because God's hardwired us to live our lives for others. And he's laid out specific ways for each of us to do that. But here's the deal. We can't skip past steps one and two in our spiritual journey. We can't skip ahead like trying to live out our purpose before we know God and before we find freedom. Because that's what gets us into the mess I was talking about earlier, where Christians kind of paint the wrong picture about God. It's because they're trying to walk in their purpose before they know God. Here's a prime example. A common belief about Christianity is that the whole point of it is to make bad people good. But that's not it at all. You see, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. In other words, Jesus wants to take all those areas in your life that are are in decay and getting worse, and he wants to make them better. And it's a common belief that serving God and going to church is just a duty. It's, it's something I do, even though I don't really like it. At least, you know, maybe it'll get me closer to heaven. I don't know. But this isn't what it looks like to serve God. Like, Jesus came to make your life better. He came to make your marriage better. He came to make your emotions better. He came to make your health better. He came to make your finances better. It may not ever be perfect, but he came to make things way, way better than you could ever do on your own. He wants everything inside of you that's dead. He wants to bring it to life. And that's the purpose of Easter. Jesus rose again, not for his own benefit, but so that you would come alive with him. Let's check out this scripture. Romans 8, 11 tells us that the spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. In other words, Jesus didn't go through everything he went through so that we could have a nice holiday and call it Easter. No, he went through hell, he conquered it, and he came back to life so that he could live inside of you and give you the kind of life that most people dream of but never experience. But you can experience it because Jesus provided that for us. And Jesus did all of this so you could have an amazing, difference-making, blow-your-mind kind of life. You see, the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you're living and the one that you know you could be living. And that's what it's all about today. If there's one thing I want you to walk away with, is to believe that Jesus wants this for you. Believe that a life lived with Jesus is the only way to live your best life. To many in this room, this may sound really good, but you're kind of like, hmm, you know, that sounds great, Cade, but, but what's the catch? Like, what do I have to give up? You think that God has all these requirements, and then you look at the people who've actually made it and are, are living this kind of life, and you're like, well, you know, they, they just must be really special or something. Like the people in the Bible, who can relate to those guys? They must have been like superhuman, like had this super faith, something that we can't even acquire. But interestingly, the people in the Bible, you can actually relate to them a lot more than you think. I want to show you a story in 2 Corinthians. Let's read this. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad We didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. So here's the guys of the Bible, like experiencing life. And it wasn't all peaches and cream. They were having a hard time. Actually, it was so bad, they didn't think they were going to make it. They thought they were going to die. Now, I've never been in a situation where I thought I was going to die, but maybe you have. I don't know. Let's continue on with the story. It says, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. What? Like being in a place where you thought you, could, you were almost dying was the best thing that could have happened. But here's why. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. 
Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. So in the end, these guys were thankful for the experience because it forced them to trust God completely instead of trusting what they could do on their own, which in turn kind of gave them a dumb moment. Like, why didn't we think of this sooner? It's the God who raises the dead, and here we were trying to do it on our own. If God can conquer death, he can conquer anything. There's nothing he can't restore, and there's nothing he can't bring back to life. Just check out how it turns out for these guys. And, that, and he did it. He rescued us from certain doom, and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. So why did they get rescued? Is it because they were like superhuman, amazing men of God who didn't have any, any problems? No, they were rescued for one simple reason. They believed. They put their full trust that God could do it. And it's not because they had some kind of super faith to work with. It's because they had no other choice. So what do you have to do for your life to be better? Like, what do you have to do for God's power to come alongside you so that you can live your best life? Belief. It's really simple. There's no rule book. There's no like attendance chart where you track how many times you showed up to church this year. There's no heavenly bank ledger where you keep track of how much you gave to your church this year. There's really only one condition, belief. And you don't even have to muster up like some kind of super faith. Like you just have to get to a point where you realize, wow, I can't do this on my own, so I might as well trust God. Just like the guys we talked about earlier. There's only one way to turn this ship around, and it's put my full trust in God. Have you guys ever been to that point? I know that I have. And usually up to that point, I do try to do it on my own. <laughs> and then you get to the end, you're like, why? Why did I waste so much time? You see, the only way to replace death with, with life is to believe that God will do it. There are actually three stories in the gospel where God raised people from the dead physically. And I want to go to the most popular story, the story of Lazarus. So let's go ahead and start to read this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I want you to notice that the message that the sister sent to Jesus wasn't like, you know, Lord, my brother, he prays every day and he reads his Bible every day. And you know what? He didn't even miss church yet this year. Oh, and on top of all this, like he gives 10% of his income to the church. So because of all this, because he, he like keeps his chart fully checked off. Can you come and heal him? They didn't say that at all. Actually, the only thing they mentioned is how much Jesus loved Lazarus. Like it had nothing to do with what Lazarus could do for Jesus. It was all about relationship. And this reveals a truth about God that's really quite contrary to how most people view God. You see, God is not motivated to help you because you love him, but because he loves you. God's love for you has nothing to do with how much you pray, how many times you read the Bible, or how faithful you are to your church. No, God loves you simply because he loves you. Even if you don't love him back, he still loves you. Even if your life is a hot mess, like he still loves you. There's nothing you can do, and there's nothing you can't do to earn God's love. He does it because he loves you, like plain and simple, he loves you. So let's continue in this story about Lazarus. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And if you know the story, like Lazarus dies. But didn't, just Jesus, didn't Jesus just say that this will not end in death? So it's quite obvious that Jesus sees things a little bit differently than we see things. Like from our standpoint, Lazarus dies. But Jesus sees all the way to the end and knows that the story does not end in death. 
You see, Lazarus may go through something that looks like death, but Jesus has a plan that's much greater than the healing that Lazarus' sisters were looking for. So let's keep reading. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days? Like, that's a really funny verse. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that, but it's mentioned how much Jesus loves these three siblings, but yet he's in no hurry to go help them. He stayed where he was for two more days. So if like somebody in your family died and like your closest relative didn't reach out to you, didn't come to see you for two days, you would probably wonder if they even loved you at all, right? I can only imagine what Mary and Martha like had to say about this delay. Jesus, he's not going to make it two more days. You got to get here now. Don't you love, didn't you say that you loved us? Like maybe you've had one of these moments with God where he wasn't moving as fast as you wanted him to. And maybe you actually just like kind of gave up on him because you thought it was all over. You thought it was too late. Well, let's see how this story ends up. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. So, so here it is again, Jesus seeing things a little bit differently. To everyone else, Lazarus was dead, but to Jesus, he was just taking a nap. And total, this totally messed with Jesus' disciples because look how, how they responded. It says his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. So you know what? If he's sleeping, when you sleep, you know, your, your sickness usually goes away. So let's just leave him alone and, and let him sleep. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So I don't want you guys to feel bad if you don't always see things the way that Jesus sees things, because even his disciples had a hard time with it. Like we all find ourselves in places where human reasoning doesn't line up with God's way of thinking. But these are times when we should realign our thinking with God's way of thinking instead of trying to prove that we're right. Like just give it up. Give, give up the argument because God's right. Because you know what? He, the truth is God always has your best interest in mind. So even when it doesn't make sense to you, it's to your benefit to just go ahead and listen and do it anyways. But it's funny, in this instance, Jesus cleared things up for his disciples. He's like, all right, let me talk in their language. And he told them plainly, okay, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So here's Jesus saying that he was glad that he wasn't there to heal Lazarus before he died. Come on, Jesus, like, how could you say something like that? Well, Jesus gave it, gave the reason, you know, so his disciples would believe. In other words, if this had played out like all the other times that Jesus had healed somebody, the disciples wouldn't have to believe. Because I don't know if you know this, but this story is like later on in Jesus's ministry. The disciples had already seen all these people healed. So when someone was sick, Jesus healed them, you know, before it got too bad. And, and I imagine like it was just normal day for them for that to happen. But in order for us to grow in our faith, we have to get to a point where we can't figure it out on our own. Kind of like the guys we read about earlier who decided to trust in God, not because they like mustered up some kind of great faith, but because they had no other choice. So we can see now that Jesus had a plan in all of this. Like he wanted to help everybody get out of their head and trust God. So let's keep reading. Then Thomas, which was one of the disciples, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That, that's really funny, right? Like he's saying this to Jesus. So Eeyore enters the scene, right? <laughs> Lazarus is dead. People are mad. So we might as well just go die with him. <clears throat> now, let me tell you something about these kind of people. They're not good for you. Like be sure to get away from people who doubt your future and doubt God and tell you it can't happen. I'm telling you they're not good for you. And at the very least, Turn those negative conversations into positive conversations. And, and if, they're not, if they're not doing it, if they're not following along, just walk away. Don't participate in the negativity because you don't need it in your life. That's just a side note. Let's keep going. <laughs> On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. 
So here's the deal. Jewish people believed that when somebody died, their spirit kind of hovered over their body for three days. Then on the fourth day, they were dead, dead. Like they were really dead. So by the time Jesus got there, like they th- everybody thought it was all over. Lazarus was dead, dead. And then when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. <laughs> but Mary, she stayed at home. So by now, this story has probably completely burst your bubble that the people in the Bible are like some kind of supreme prime, prime people. Like they had all kinds of, kinds of dysfunction going on, just like we do today. Like here we have Mary who stayed at home to pout. Like Jesus didn't do what I wanted him to do, like when I wanted him to do it. So I don't want any part of this. Like seriously, I bet that was her attitude. That's why she stayed home. And then on the other side, here's Martha. She went out to meet Jesus. She still had somewhat of a good attitude. And here's what she said. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So it kind of sounds to me like Martha's like, you know, maybe Lazarus can have a comeback. But look at what she says next. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So even Martha, the sister who was able to maintain like a decent attitude, still thought that Lazarus was long gone. She knew he would rise again with everybody else on the last day, just not today. But to Jesus, resurrection was not an event. It wasn't a holiday. It wasn't something that would happen like in the distant future. Because catch this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus said, resurrection is not an event. It's a person. And you're looking at him. I am the resurrection and the life. Like, if you bring Jesus into your life, you're bringing resurrection into your life. He'll make all the dead things alive. He'll make your life more than you could have ever dreamed it could be. And how do we get there? Well, the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So notice that Jesus wasn't asking us to pray more. He wasn't asking us to go to church more. He wasn't even asking us to be more holy. He was asking us to do one thing, believe. And maybe you find yourself here today kind of like struggling in your spiritual journey. Like you've tried church and it didn't work. Or maybe you're just kind of bored and, and think that there's something like out there in the world that would make life more fun. Or maybe this whole thing has never been more than a duty for you. Like something you can check off your list just to make sure you're doing enough to get to heaven. Well, today I want you to put all that aside and I want you to do one thing. I want you to believe. I want you to believe that Jesus wants you to experience life in the most amazing way. Believe that Jesus wants to take all the struggle, all the pain, all the regret and resurrect you back to life. Let's read this scripture again. It says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe? So yes, this physical body is going to die one day. But when this happens, those who believe in Jesus will never die. And I get it, it's hard sometimes. Like life comes crashing down and you wonder, you know, why live for Jesus whenever I still have to go through these things? And you're not a bad person for thinking this. Like we all have times in our life where we wonder why Jesus would allow us to go through this or that. Just like we read today, though, even though even the people in the Bible went through hard times, but in the end, something good came out of it. And this is God's plan. He always works things out for your good. 
Even in the moments where it seems like all hope is lost, God is gonna work it out to where you'll actually end up in a better place. And you don't ever see how he's gonna do it until you're at the end. And all you have to do is believe that he wants that for you.